Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau. And I am with Cleo Paulmeyer, who is the proprietor of Wayfarer here in, I'm going to say Northern California, because that (laughs) seems the most appropriate. (laughs) We are actually sitting in our office in the town of Napa, but it's got kind of an interesting story, which we will reveal in just a little bit. Cleo, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be speaking with you. You are One woman with a fantastic story, and I can't wait to dive into it. So you come from this famous family, Palmeyer, Jason Palmeyer is your father. Um, So you grew up surrounded by wine. You went off and got a Bachelor of Arts degree in art history from the University of Virginia. Then you got a master's in connoisseurship of fine and decorative art at Sotheby's. And then what I love is you went to go work at an auction house in London. I mean, how much fun was that? It was pretty cool. I mean, it's uh, it's very romantic. I kind of bounced from one very romantic career track to another in wine. <laughs> right. So what was it about art that you were so enamored with? Well, when I was in college trying to figure out what I was going to major in, um, I mean, I always knew that I wanted to be in business. And um, unfortunately, one of the uh, prerequisite classes I took for the business minor at um, UVA was um, a class taught by somebody with a very thick Eastern European accent. And I was not doing well in that class. So I had to drop it and uh, decided to change my my, uh, major. My mother you know, she's just always been kind of a hippie and just kind of like go with what, you know, you, you love. And, and she just said, you know, just pick a major that you're just really interested in. So I took this fantastic art history 101 class my first year of college. And I just thought, well, that's great. I'm just going to focus on that. So I studied art history. And then when college was uh, coming to a close, my senior year, my friends were going to job fairs and I was kind of caught unaware. I just, or I, I guess I this time had caught up with me and I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do <laughs> after college? So um, I found this program based in London, I guess taught by Sotheby's, sponsored by Sotheby's through a university in London. And it's connoisseurship of fine and decorative art. So um, you're learning how to identify pieces of art and um, decorative objects. And so it was really fascinating. I, I absolutely loved it. I know it sounds super interesting. Yeah. So you got that degree and then you worked for an auction house and you discovered some wines at this auction house. Yeah. Somebody um, that I worked with brought to my attention that there was some Palmire wines in one of the 
um, statewide auctions. And so I thought at that time, you know, I just hadn't really been paying much attention to what my dad had been doing in the wine business. He always, uh, he still speaks very highly of himself and what he does. And he's a very um, big personality. And I just, you know, he's my dad though. And was like, okay, you know, whatever. Um, but seeing the, his wines, um, in this London auction, I was, I thought it made me take a step back and think, huh, okay. Start paying attention to what my dad had, had started. But, um, you know, and around that same time, my dad was expressing a desire to step back from the business. And so it just sort of started my line of thinking, you know, I'd never thought that I was going to go into the wine industry. Never and thought, why is that? Uh, when I grew up here in Napa, it was just, it was kind of a, not kind of, it was a boring town. And I saw myself in Europe or in New York and, you know, wasn't, you know, not quite sure doing what exactly at that time. But so it, all, all these kind of pieces started to come in together. Also, you know, with regard to my work at the auction house, I started to recognize that this is a career that doesn't have um, a really great future for me. It's just, it's a very academic business. And, you know, when you're working alongside colleagues that have been in the same job, that have all the same degrees as you and have been in the same job for several years without any career advancement, it started making me question, you know, is this really what something that I really want to go into? So all of those things came together and I started thinking about starting to work with my dad and to be able to move that legacy forward. I think that if you you have a business built on, you know, an individual's vision and passion and then that individual passes it on to other people to run the business, you really lose just what makes that that special that 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 product so special. The essence of it. Exactly. You developed a fondness for your father's business and you returned to the United States in 2006. Ultimately, you went to go work for him in 08 as a sales assistant. And to accelerate things, you became president in 2017. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Well, before I started working for the winery, um, one thing that my dad and I thought was, was very important was that I definitely go off and get some career experience in it. Um, elsewhere. And so I didn't go to work for other wineries, but I worked for Williams Sonoma Corporate, their corporate offices in San Francisco for a few years and, you know, really got a taste of what a much bigger, more corporate um, structure looked like and had some experience with that. And then went on to, um, to start in an entry level position at the winery. And so, um, yeah, I started out answering phones as a sales assistant, but as it happens with a you know, a family owned business, I started getting thrown into jobs that were much bigger than my skill set and having to learn on the fly, working with really fabulous people along the way, both colleagues and consultants, and um, just learning everything I know on the job. Can you uh, speak to someone that may have helped mentor you along the way or inspired you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I worked with some really incredible women along the way. Uh, Jennifer Becker and Jean DeLuca, who do consulting in the wine business, they were, um, I learned so much from them. Um, When I started running Paul Meyer um, as president, I worked with a leadership coach named Christy Taylor, and she was absolutely fabulous. And I still, you know, go back to so many things she, so many things she taught me as touchstones throughout my career now. 
And then the president of Paul Meyer before I took over, Brian Hilliard, he was um, just a wonderful mentor and, you know, was hired to be a bridge between my dad and me, our, between our leadership. And um, so he was a really wonderful mentor as well. Was it big shoes to fill when you became president? Yes, it was really big shoes to fill. And if I hadn't had the, I mean, and having the, the mentorship of Christy Taylor was so important for me at that time. Yeah, really big shoes to fill. But I think it was an incredible opportunity. And I, and I really believe that I really helped move the, move the brand forward into, into a second generation and created a lot of value in that, in that brand. And so I'm really proud of what I accomplished with Paul Meyer and Jason. Well, and your father had a lot of faith in you to put you in charge. So that's, that was nice. Yeah. That's something, recognition. that's something you don't see very often. Um, well, my husband happens to be an estate planning attorney, so he sees lots of families that are transitioning uh, from one generation to the next in their family businesses. And usually the issue is that the the generation currently in power does not want to relinquish power. They may say they do, but they're they're not letting go right. <laughs> very easily. And so <laughs> I, it was a double-edged sword because I had uh, so much autonomy and my dad had so much trust in me. Um, but at the same time, it was, you know, it was a big gap that I had to fill all of a sudden. Right, and you wanted to make sure that you lived up to his expectations. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And the expectations of the brand and of the company and and just to really meet the moment. Well, let's talk about Wayfair and what makes it so special. Yeah. Well, my, my dad, he started Paul Meyer in the eighties and then, um, over the years he got really interested in, in, um, Pinot Noirs. And so our winemaker for Paul Meyer at the time was Helen Turley, and she introduced him to this property for sale in the very, very remote Sonoma Coast, and he bought the land and planted the vineyard. And so that was 2002 when we finished planting. Um, so I had started working for my dad back in 2008, and over the, you know, as I got to know Wayfair better, more than just the place that took two and a half hours to drive to. My brother and I always called it way far. <laughs> uh-huh, that's cute. Um, you know, the wines were really extraordinary in their own right. And, and I really believe that they should be estate wines. So in 2012, I got to introduce uh, Wayfair's first estate wines from the vineyard that my dad had planted 10 years before that. So And so then when after I sold Paul Meyer in 2019, retained Wayfair. And now I'm just focusing exclusively on Wayfair. I had lots of mixed feelings about selling Paul Meyer, but I was the only family member still involved in the wine business. So it, it's it's not surprising that my family wanted to sell, but um, but to be able to carry on with something that I got to create is really special. And I just absolutely love working with such a small team and just really focusing on something really small and precious. And these wines are specific vineyard blocks. Yes. So we make a few different Pinot Noirs, Mm -hmm. but they all come from our one vineyard. Um, So the AVA is Fort Ross Seaview. It's a 30 acre vineyard and um, we make an estate Pinot Noir. Um, It's a vineyard designate, Uh, but then we also have different cuvées of Pinot Noir that are just from particular vineyard blocks that are really special. Which is very cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So what's the case production? Oh, it's less than 5,000 cases. Ooh, teeny tiny. Yeah. And how many different SKUs do you make? Um, so we have five Pinot Noirs. Um, we have two Chardonnays now. 
Um, and then uh, we're going to be making a tiny bit of Syrah. So that's exciting. So if somebody wants to taste, how do they go about doing that? Yeah. Well, so we are actually building a winery and tasting room in Healdsburg uh, right now. It should be open next summer in 2024. And so, um, so we'll have a tasting room. And then hopefully also be able to offer some vineyard tours as well for our customers that want to go all the way out to the coast. So in the meantime, can they order online? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. That's good. Is any of the wines, are they distributed? Yeah, we do distribute um, to about 20 states, mostly to restaurants. Okay. And who's the winemaker? Our winemaker is Todd Cohn. And so he and I have been working together now for 10 years, uh, something I'm really proud of. He started out... Um, as assistant winemaker for Wayfair back when our first vintage was in barrel in January of 2013. And so then when we transitioned to from Palmeyer to just Wayfair, um, he stayed on and um, he became winemaker in, back in 2018. But he's just an absolute joy to work with, incredibly talented, um, and um, feel it's a definitely a point of pride that we've been working together for 10 years. Fantastic. Top moment of your career so far? Well, I'm, I, might, I might say that it, maybe it was the selling Paul Meyer. I mean, that was a pretty huge accomplishment, ran the whole process through. So I feel like that that was a, that was a really huge accomplishment for me. I think other top moments are just really starting to see the fruits of our labors. You know, Wayfair is now um, 10 years in and starting to get the recognition from the press you know, in, in meeting customers that, you know, love the wines, that that's a really huge point of pride. And that was always really special with Paul Meyer, uh, because I'd meet people all the time that just love the wine so much. And the wines had such a special place um, in their, you know, in, in their life. And, uh, but for, to have that with Wayfair, something that I got to create is, is even more special. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Let's move on to your personal life. What town do you live in? I live in Napa. How did you decide to live in Napa? Well, um, you know, actually my, my husband and I, so we live here now, but when we first moved here, my dad was also living here. Now he lives in Hawaii uh, full time. Um, or for, for most of the year. Um, and so, um, so when we moved to Napa together in 2008, um, it, was, it was for our jobs. You know, my husband started at a law firm and I started working for Paul Meyer. And, um, but the town has changed so much over the last, oh my gosh, how long? Few <laughs> We've years. been living here for more than a decade now. Right. Um, well, and, in 08, though, it was not too exciting but affordable it wasn't too exciting i guess maybe a little more affordable yes definitely so um we just absolutely love love being here yeah yeah i mean it's definitely a hot spot now <laughs> for sure exactly so if we took a step inside your home what would we see what's your decorating style um i love uh neutrals and uh, just really light and bright um, my husband does love color though. So we have to, so we, so we balance that, um, with pops of color. There's lots, I try to keep everything very efficient and, uh, don't like having a lot of stuff around, but that's all, that's always a challenge with three kiddos. <laughs> yes. How old are those kiddos? They are 10, eight and four. Oh, wow. Yes. So we're busy. <laughs> yes. You've got your hands full for sure. Favorite room? 
we have a combination family room um, kitchen. Um, so that's definitely my favorite room. It has the comfiest couch in the house and um, and the kitchen is always the heart of the home for, for me. If you uh, are kicking back and relaxing and you turn on some music, what would it be? Well, I'm on a very big Taylor Swift kick right now, but <laughs> now that surprises me. I just adore her. Um, so I'll play that. And my, my oldest daughter is really into her too. So we'll, we'll listen to lots of Taylor Swift okay. together. Um, well, she's so talented. Yeah. I just, I mean, I, I'm not, I haven't been like one of those long, long time fans, but I really started becoming a fan like three years ago and, um, yeah, recently went to her concert. So it was pretty cool. But, um, my husband is always really good at picking out um, music. So usually when he gets home, I'm just like, please put on something because he comes in and he's like, Taylor Swift again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we love listening to like Django Reinhardt music or um, like Fela Kuti or artists like Adele. I love, I mean, just a whole you range run the of gamut. things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you have time for a hobby? <laughs> Do you collect um, anything? No. Definitely no. not. Um, <laughs> but um, my husband, and I do love to cook. Um, it's I think it, it used to be more of my hobby. And now my husband's taken on the mantle because I'm just in a period of my life where I'm over it. I want to get the simplest meal on the dinner uh, on the table, table. as possible. Um, but um, but I definitely love the fruits of his labors these days so <laughs> well I think it's a good trade-off yeah you know? yeah I know I'll get back into it someday but not when I have three children all requesting different things right. while I'm also trying to cook so that never right. works very sure. well that's challenging <laughs> which warrants the question how do you balance work life I have to say that it's really wonderful to work for yourself <laughs> um, and if you don't work for yourself make find a really good boss that understands that um, you're not just employing, you know, robots, you're employing humans that have lives and families and other needs in their life. So, um, you know, so that's, I mean, just being able to have a flexible schedule and get the work done uh, when I can and then take time for other, um, for other things when I need to. I think that's really important. And I, you know, and I always, for the people that work for me, um, I mean, I have a really small team and there's just such there's a very high degree of trust because we've been working together for so long. But um, but I always want them to always take the time that they need um, to have space for family and friends and their mental health and all of the things that are just as important as careers. <laughs> well said. I'm sure you've done a lot of traveling. We've spoken about London. Is there a meaningful or memorable trip that you can share with us? Well, I, I think back to when Your I honeymoon? was in. Yeah. <laughs> well, no offense to my husband, but. <laughs> oh, poor guy. I mean, that one doesn't necessarily stick out as much as some others. But I mean, I think back to when I was in college, I went on a backpacking trip just solo in Europe. And I think about that now and I thought, first of all, what were my parents thinking and what was I thinking? But I guess, I guess maybe I'd let my children try the same thing, but I just sort of packed an enormous backpack with way too many articles of clothing and just got on a plane to Europe and I met up with different people along the way, like friends in different cities. And, um, my, I met up with my dad 
uh, when he was in Paris. And I, like here I am walking into the uh, Georges Sank Hotel with my like huge like backpacking backpack in need of a shower. <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> um, but it was um, that that was really um, that was a really memorable time. I lost my wallet that had my ID and everything in when I was in Budapest and like relied on the kindness of like the the person hosting the the hostel in that town and um I mean I I forget how that finally got resolved somebody just returned my uh wallet to the hostel because I would always write down the address of where I was staying and um just in case you know I had a few too many glasses of wine and right. needed to remember for the cab driver to show the cab driver to get home but um it, you know that so that was that was a really um uh, formidable mm-hmm, uh, trip of strangers. Wow. I wonder if yeah. that would ha- could happen today. Kindness I of don't... strangers and just being on your own. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I, 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 I get a lot of energy from people, but I also just love to be alone too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I like that too, mm-hmm. for sure. I want to talk about your office, your office wall, because <laughs> we're sitting here in your office and you've got some interesting things on the wall. Yeah. Can you tell me about them? Sure. Well, I mean, I have my, I didn't know where else to hang my college degree, which from University of Virginia is um, notoriously large. <laughs> it is large. <laughs> um, and so I have that here. And then I have um, something I'm really proud of. I ran the New York Marathon. Um, Incredible. Last year. I'd never run a marathon before. And I got a bee in my bonnet that I wanted to do it, you know, kind of go, going off of being alone. The nice thing about running is that you can be alone. And one of the drawbacks of having three children is that you're not often alone. alone. And so <laughs> do you still um, run today? You know, it's not my favorite sport. Um, I love to work out, but I, and I very much am part of the cult of Peloton. Right. I have to say I very much, I mean, actually one of the trainers on Peloton was like the inspiration for me running the marathon. But, um, so I have my framed medal and bib, um, from the marathon. I have, um, a poster of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, that I bought after she passed and, um, some other artwork and stuff too. What's the Bouchon? Oh, that is, um, I have a Bouchon menu framed. And so it's signed by all of, um, my Wayfarer, um, team members that, um, were there, in the transition right after I sold Paul Meyer and, um, and we were about to embark on this Wayfarer as a standalone, you know, winery, um, a new venture. And so it was, uh, kind of marking a new chapter. That's fantastic. And I have to know the story behind the helicopter and the vineyard. Okay. So, um, there's a photo of, um, a vineyard with a helicopter hovering just above the vines. And so my dad, I mentioned before, he's a, wild and crazy guy, huge self-promoter. And he, um, one harvest, I forget what year it was, but there was rain right before harvest. And so he hired a helicopter to go out and just, um, to basically dry off the grapes in the vineyard. And I don't know how effective it was, but it was certainly an effective publicity stunt. Mm. (laughs) So I have a photo of that. That is I mean, it's so close to the vines. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Knocking off any, uh, yeah, water yeah. on the vines, I wow. guess. Okay. Is there 
something else people might be surprised to learn about you. <laughs> do you rappel down mountains, skydive? Did you do something wild and crazy? Well, definitely um, not. I have a very strong fear of heights. But okay. um, something that you might not know about me is that I spoke Spanish before English. And the reason you wouldn't know that is because I don't speak Spanish fluently anymore. But <laughs> my parents... <laughs> Why? Um, well, my, my parents... Um, were just kind of hippies uh, when they had me and my brother. They were they were in their forties when they had us, and so they just decided that they would live in Spain for a year when I was about two years old. And so I started out speaking Spanish. My mother speaks Spanish, so I started okay. out speaking Spanish before English, and then I was my dad's little interpreter. He would take me uh, when he had to go to the store in Spain, and and I would interpret for him. Um, but then when we moved back to Napa, I um, quickly realized that nobody could understand me. And I started telling my mother not to speak to me that way. <laughs> so, um, apparently a, a strong willed um, little girl that then refused to speak Spanish any longer. Unfortunately. Interesting. That's for sure. <laughs> Does your mother still live in the valley? No, she lives on the East Coast. Oh, yeah, okay. she lives outside Washington, D.C. Okay. Yeah. You don't like to entertain anymore. Well, <laughs> we do entertain, a, well, we do entertain a good amount. My um, my husband is our social You're, director, and he's, if he's it wasn't for him, I would, you know, I wouldn't get to, well, I, if it wasn't for him, I, then I would have to step up and start inviting right. people over. You're allowing him to take the lead. Yeah. You know, we get, um, you know, we, we actually do a lot of um, entertaining, and um, it's fun, but it's also tiring. It is. <laughs> people don't understand. It's exhausting it to is. entertain. It is. So what do you think the secret? secret is to a successful dinner party? Oh, gosh. Well, I'll tell you what I think the secret is, but we rarely follow this advice is have prepare things in advance. Mm -hmm. You know whose advice that is. That's um, Ina Garden's advice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Have things prepared in advance, especially for me, because if I can do that, then I can actually enjoy, enjoy. the party as opposed to walking around like, cleaning stuff and prepping stuff. And Right. <laughs> right. Do you have a go-to dish that's oh. always a crowd pleaser? Yeah, for me, I would say my go-to dish is roast chicken. Although I have to say yesterday, I was so proud of myself because I prepped the chicken before I came to work because I thought if you leave the chicken in the refrigerator uncovered, uh, the skin will kind of dry out and it'll just make for a crispier skin and it browns better. Um, so I get home from the office yesterday and discover that I... While I did prepare the chicken, I did miss the step where I put it back in the refrigerator. And so after some Google searches, I, I decided it wasn't worth the risk oh, <laughs> of no. feeding it to my family. And so the chicken went in the trash and out came some sausages from the freezer. Yeah. Oh, shucks. <laughs> when you have guests come in town, other than tasting your wine, what are some of the recommendations that you make? Oh, gosh. Of well, places to visit. Wineries, restaurants, activities. I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, there are so many amazing restaurants. There, I don't think there's enough meals in the day. But certainly um, going to great restaurants. I mean, there's there's classics like mustards um, here in Napa. We love um, Zuzu and La Taberna and Angel, um, Bouchon. I mean, there's so many wonderful swoon worthy restaurants in Napa Valley. Um, I think also just driving around and just really taking in the beauty of the Valley. Um, or if you're out in Sonoma, um, driving 
driving up and down the Sonoma coast is just breathtaking. And the terrain is so dramatic. And, you know, even living and growing up here, I do believe that I don't take that for granted. I still, I still, you know, drive around or walk around and just think, oh my God, this is just, this is perfect. And the, and you can't beat the weather too. You know, I, I get to travel a lot for work to really great cities and great, beautiful places. But the more that I travel, the more I'm convinced that Northern California is the best. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It is an extra special place it for is. sure. Well, we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. Ready? Okay. Okay. What kind of car do you drive? A Tesla. I love an electric car. Good I'll never girl. go back. What's your favorite flower? I love naked ladies. Mm. They are flowers that you see up here in Northern California during uh, like right around now. And they're, they just come up once a year and they're called naked ladies because they're pink flowers on these tall stems, but there's no leaves. So that's why they're naked. Naked. (laughs) Okay. What is in your nightstand? Okay. A lot of partially read books. Um, some novels, some parenting books, and um, got an eye mask because um, I need that in the morning, and um, it's a, a candle. Okay. <laughs> Who is one of your dream dinner guests? Mm. Living or you know, dead. well, I mentioned her earlier, Ina Garden. Just I just would love to go. I want to go to her house though. I'm not having her over. <laughs> Every time I watch her shows, I'm just like, oh, I just want to hug you <laughs> and know you. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you can make that happen. Yeah, maybe now. <laughs> um, and lastly, what's one word that best describes you? Independent. There you go. Cleo, it has been fantastic to spend time with you today. Thank you so much. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.